Well, hello there. This is Larry Hunt of 5-Minute Inspirations, and I want to say thank you for taking the time to listen to my program today. I got a question for you, like I normally do, right? Do you realize that we have more often than we would choose to admit accepted some standard of living or conducting our affairs which is far beneath the spirit of excellence? We're going to talk about that a little bit today. How many of you have heard of CP time? <laughs> Somebody say, what? Did he say that? If you have heard of what I'm talking about, CP time, then I'm, you're probably smiling right now. But let me explain in case there's someone listening who might not know what CP time is. CP time is an expression that we've accepted in my culture, which implies that, for example, we never start an event at the time advertised on the flyers and everything, but always later. We never arrive to an event at the hour that we agreed to get there, you know, when it starts, but later. You know what I mean? CP time, right? Well, see, we've kind of accepted that in, into our culture, and that's kind of, it's, it's acceptable in a whole lot of situations to just get to places later than you said you would get there or they expect you to be there to start programs. It could even be in the church. Start programs much later than the hour that they said that, that's been, you know, that's been advertised is supposed to start. Something that blew me away, though, is this. You know our history. My wife and I, we've done missionary work. Missions is in our heart. The nations, the cultures of the world, they're in our heart. So when we moved to Guatemala to serve as missionaries and I began working with the people, it blew me away because I found out they also have a CP time. I mean, I forgot what they call it, of course. It's going to be in Spanish, whatever they call it. But they also have recognized and accepted the same less than excellent standard within their culture. Start stuff a whole lot later than you say you was going to start. Show up for stuff a whole lot later than you're supposed to be there. That's the same thing that we have in our culture to a large degree. And I found out it's popping over there in Guatemala the same way. Now, years later, after we served in Guatemala, after we served in Honduras, we moved to Brazil serving as missionaries. I found out they got the same thing. Of course, they got a Portuguese twist, Portuguese twist on the name of it. But they got CP time too, y'all. How amazing is that? See, in addition to having adopted this cultural idea as normal, and like I said, even within the church, many of us also have accepted as somewhat normal a mindset which says that if something gets too hard, or if it gets to taking too long, then we can just quit. Well, I got to let you in on something today, especially if you're a Christian. I got some news for you. You ready? Quitting ain't in your blood. <laughs> Let me clean it up, okay? So y'all get me to cutting up and everything. Quitting is not in your blood. That's just not who you are. Oh, let me back up a second. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you're running with? You know, Bernie Mac used to always say, who you with? Who you with? Do you know who you with? Do you realize who you have in your corner? Well, let me take a moment to remind you. Let me read a few scriptures to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read verses 17 and 21. It's talking about you, about who you are. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. For he made him, talking about God, for he made him to be sin who knew no sin. Oh, let me, let me back up. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Talk about who you are, right? First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Huh? You getting the picture of who you are? Who you running with? Romans chapter 8 verses 30 through 32 says this. Moreover, whom he predestined, them he also called. Whom he called... These he also justified, and whom he justified, these he also glorified. Hey, that's talking about you. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? That's who you're running with. That's who you got in your corner. God Almighty. See, so you have no reason to quit in your pursuit of greatness. There is absolutely no justifiable reason for you to throw in the towel. 
So what are you doing sitting on the sidelines as a mere spectator in life when your God-inspired dream has yet to be realized? Talk to me now. I recently picked up my dream to become perfectly fluent in French again. I was at one point in hot pursuit of this dream. And do you know what I found quite interesting? Everything that I had achieved, you know, because as I was studying it before, I made some advances. I started understanding some things, right? I could speak it a little bit. Everything that I had achieved was laying right there where I abandoned it. That's right. I abandoned it. <laughs> so I didn't have to start back at square one in my French comprehension. I just had to go back and pick up the stuff where I left off. So my question to you is this. What shade tree have you parked yourself under to justify why you're no longer working to improve your life in that area which you began a while back? See, God wants you to continue in the race. He is there to encourage you, to strengthen you, to cause you to succeed. He only got one question. Where are you? <laughs> He's looking for you. Last week I was reading, I mean I read, no I didn't read, last week I heard uh, this guy telling a story. He's actually a fellow podcaster and I was hoping to be able to have his name. I couldn't remember his name so I could pass it on to you so you could hear the story. But anyway, he was talking on this podcast about how he decided against all odds to run a 100 mile marathon. Dang, ain't even know they made him that long. I thought it was just 26 miles was the biggest marathon that it could be. But he was going to run a 100 mile marathon and there were many things working against him. When he made that decision, which included a, a debilitating physical injury that he had sustained when he tried to do the same thing a year before. But the thing is, he had about five of his friends who really believed in him and they wanted him to succeed so much that they agreed to take time off from their jobs and travel all the way out to the city where the race was going to be held. And they told him, look, what we're going to do, we're going to travel out, drive to the 50 mile marker of the race. Because we want to be there when you pass by that. That's the halfway point, And we want to encourage you and build you up and let you know to keep going and, and that you're going to make it. So they all agreed to get at the 50 mile mark. And here he starts out at, you know, at the beginning of the race. But the unfortunate thing that happened was around the 34th mile or so, I believe it was. He felt like he couldn't go no further, man. I mean, it's like he was having excruciating pain in his legs, his ankles, as well as his feet. And he ended up throwing in the towel. He ended up quitting. Well, how unfortunate was that? See, his friends who really wanted and believed for him to be successful and to complete this 100-mile race and who had sacrificed so much to help him succeed, man, they all at the 50-mile marker. And they waiting. And they wondering, why in the world taking him so long? They waiting for him to appear. Did you know that You also have a great cloud of witnesses that have gone on ahead of you and who are excited to eagerly cheer you on to the completion of your dream. Yeah, check it out in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. It talks about that we have this great cloud of witnesses. Huh? They're cheering us on. My question to you is the same as, as, as my, my friend's friends that were waiting at the 50-mile marker. Where are you? Have you ceased in the pursuit of your dream? Or that thing which will improve some aspect of your life, whether it's getting back into shape or eating healthier or writing that book or maybe even launching that business idea that you've had. Which one of the devil's lies have you allowed to convince you that the pursuit was no longer worth the price you were having to pay? Let me share something with you, which perhaps may be a real eye opener for you. Whenever you set out to do something that has the potential to improve some aspect of your life, you are going to run up against obstacles. Understand that your adversary, the devil, you know the one that it talks about in 1 Peter chapter 5-8, which says he walks about acting like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That adversary, he does not want the glory of God to shine out through your life. Let's just face it. And that's precisely what happens as you successfully achieve something that you set out to accomplish. So when you decide to rise up out of complacency, out of mediocrity, in order to do better, you're going to be soon met with some opposition. But don't let the opposition convince you to quit. Why? It's because quitting ain't in your blood. 
<laughs> Are you with me? I might title it this way. I, if I, I don't know. I might title. Well, some people might not know exactly what I'm talking about at all. Quitting ain't in your blood. That's why you don't want to stop. Quit when you come up with these different obstacles. That's part of the package. That's part of the trail. You're gonna run into some 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 people that don't want like what you're doing. Some difficult situations that seem impossible. All of that's gonna come up. Don't quit. Because quitting ain't in your blood. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You called by God. You have the blood of Jesus in you. Huh? You've been you have you got it over you. Don't quit. I think maybe I'll take a few segments to address some of the more common obstacles that surface in an attempt to convince us to quit. You know, to stop in the pursuit of greatness. I'm thinking about maybe doing that, kind of tag it on to this particular segment I did today. This will help us to better recognize what's going on. And remember, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says that we are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of the plans and strategies of the devil. We, I mean, look, go into the Word of God. The Word of God shines a spotlight on it. Remember that song back in the day, Flashlight? Flashlight! Well, excuse me. Excuse me. Hey, thank you, Lord. Anyway, that's what happens with the Word of God. The Word of God lets us see the strategies of the enemy, the things that he's trying to do to trip you up, to discourage you, to stop you from pressing forward and, and allowing the, the light of God's glory to shine through you like it should. Yeah, I might take a few segments and talk about that. Just give you some more ammunition. Anyway, let me know what you think, okay? God bless you. What am I saying today? Don't quit. Why? Say it with me. Because quitting ain't in your blood. <laughs> All right, I'm just having fun with you, okay? I think I'll clean it up and call it quitting. It's not in your blood or something like that. We'll see. But have a great day now. And uh, I'm looking forward to being with you the next time. And whatever you need to get back to, get back at it. And don't quit. Larry Hunter, 5-Minute Inspirations. Peace. Hey there, we're picking up on a series I began yesterday. And I think I'm going to call it Quitting Ain't In Your Blood. <laughs> and we talked about that yesterday and uh, I'm continuing on today because I want to take a look at what some of the more common obstacles that come up to try and convince us to quit in the pursuit of our dream or our goal today I'm going to talk about this fact some of us are tempted to quit when the way that we thought things would work out doesn't seem to look at all possible to us you know you get in your mind you believe in God for something and you kind of get it in your mind a way that it's going to work out well, some of us, when that way, when it looks apparent that it ain't going to happen that way, we bail. We quit. What do you do when the door that you thought surely would open up for you is not only closed and locked, but it also has a sign on it which reads, no trespassing beyond this point. Violators will be prosecuted. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think when it looks like things can't happen the way that you had thought it all out to happen? Like I said, unfortunately, at this point, a fair amount of us quit. Well, that's not the time to quit, though. That's the time to get creative. It's the time for you to assess the setup, you know, how things are looking, and then get creative. At times like these, you've got to be willing to think outside of the box and get creative. Now, we're going to take a look at an example of a group of guys that ran on upon such an obstacle. And we're going to see how they handled it. First, let me set it up for you. In Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 40, we got the story about this leper who came to Jesus. And he basically said, look, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I know you got the power, but if you're willing, you can heal me. And, you know, make a long story short, Jesus said, I'm willing, and Jesus healed him. But then Jesus told him, you know, of course, the leper is excited, right? He's healed. Jesus said, look, don't tell nobody what I did. Don't put the word out what has happened to you. Well, that dude, he was so hype, he didn't even hear Jesus. He went in one ear out the other. He went and told everybody. So when people heard about this healing, and of course they could see that he was healed of leprosy, the people got hype about Jesus. I mean, they were pumped up about him so that Jesus couldn't even hang out within the cities anymore. He had to have his little meetings outside of the cities, you know, out in the country. Because, I mean, so many people were trying to get to him. So that's the backdrop of the story, right? Now, um, in Mark chapter 2, I'm going to read something to you. I'm going to read the situation, then we're going to talk about it, okay? Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, and, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days. 
So this was just a little while after that healing had taken place, right? He entered into Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. I like that. Jesus in the house, you know. <laughs> Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing the paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. And and it goes on to talk about the scribe's reaction to what he had just said. But Jesus ended up healing the man, the leper. But what I want you to see, this is an ideal situation where there was it didn't go down the way that they had imagined that it would go down. See, again, you got to be willing to be unconventional and you got to go where others are not willing to go. You got to be willing to do what others are unwilling to do. Don't accept the impossible appearance of a thing as God saying no. Back up, assess the situation, complete with its obstacles, and then begin to create, uh, think creatively of another way in which, given the current obstacles, you can still fulfill your objective. Now let's think about the paralytic and his friends again. They left the house with the objective of getting their paralyzed friend to Jesus so that Jesus could heal him, right? Hmm? They left the house, they had that on their mind. They were going to get to Jesus, Jesus was going to heal him. All right, something else to, to notice about their situation. They did not leave the house with the objective of getting to some place out in the crowd where they could cut on a little transistor radio and hear Jesus preaching. Uh-uh, that was not the objective. Understand this also. The people, they were not favoring this dude and his four friends busting up through the crowd, even if it were just to get a glance at Jesus. After all, hey man, y'all got here late. <laughs> now let's let's make this situation that they were up against a little bit more plain. You ever heard of Black Friday? Have you ever participated in Black Friday? Oh Lordy. <laughs> Alright, you've been camped out all night so you can be among the first to get into the Walmart to get your flat screen TV. They're giving out six of them for like twenty dollars. Okay? To the first six people that get to them. Now, you done been there all night. You got a whole line of people. Other people been there all night, too. You got a whole line outside the store about wrapping around the building and everything. And right in the morning, as they're about to open the doors, all of a sudden, this car pulls up out in the parking lot, pulls right up to the door. And this, this grown man, he lets his mom out to seek a place at the very front of the line. Now, though you respect the fact that she's an older lady, <laughs> And that she has her heart set on getting one of them six flat screen TVs for $20. Even though you respect that, right? I'm pretty sure you'd be like, uh, ma'am, ma'am. Ma'am, with all due respect, ma'am, we've been here since yesterday. We camped out all night. You're going to have to go get to the back of the line. <laughs> right? See, the, and then go back to the situation with the paralytic and his four friends. The people that were all around the house, you couldn't see in the window, you couldn't see in the doorway, you couldn't move around, so many people there. Them people weren't about to let that man bust up through the crowd and get into the house where Jesus was. The dudes that bore the paralytic were like, okay already. We ain't going to fight over this or nothing like that, okay? So see, what did they do? What did they, do? they accepted the obvious. They accepted the fact that these people were not going to move aside and let them get to where Jesus was. So what did they do? They stepped back and they began to creatively think of other possibilities. Of how they could meet their objective. And of course their objective again was to get to Jesus. You know, get their friend up in Jesus' face, right? So, they went on to the roof of the house. They opened up the roof. They opened it up and then let their friend down to put him before Jesus. Again, as I said earlier, at times, in order for you to reach your objective... You will have to consider going where others are unwilling to go and doing what most others would not be willing to do. Now granted, it took some effort on their part. But I can guarantee you one thing. It wasn't crowded on the roof like it was at the front door and at the windows. So keep that in mind. 
that at times the Lord will lead you off of the well-worn path to take you along an unconventional one that will enable you to obtain your objective. I want you to both be ready for this and be open to it. Okay? Why? Because quitting ain't in your blood. <laughs> Are you with me? So we, that's what we took a look at today. We took a look at an objective, I mean an obstacle that causes many of us to quit. And that obstacle again is being when things don't look like they can happen the way that you kind of pictured it, framed it up in your mind that they would happen. That ain't God saying no. That ain't time for you to quit. It's time for you to step back, assess the situation, and then think creatively outside of the box. Lord, how can we go at this thing from another angle? All right, that's what I'm leaving you with today. And we're going to talk about another obstacle that shows up. It's kind of pretty common that causes many of us to quit in terms of us pursuing an objective that God has given to us or a dream that we have or a goal. So I'm going to give you another one tomorrow, okay? You be blessed now. Have a great evening. Love you. And I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these broadcasts. My name is Larry Hunter, and I'm your host for 5-Minute Inspirations. And like always, if you got something on your heart, holla. Leave me a comment. Give me a quick call in, whatever you want to do. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hey, you know, I sure appreciate you taking the time to listen in to my podcast. We're going to continue on with part three of a series that I began the other day, or last week, rather. And we're calling this series, Quitting Ain't In Your Blood. <laughs> I'm going to try not to go back into too much review, so I encourage you to take a listen to those previous two segments in this series so that you can... Get caught up with what we're talking about today, okay? Anyway, and just, I guess, really summing up what we're talking about is the fact that many times when we're pursuing a goal, something that God has inspired into our hearts, it's going to be met with opposition. That's a given. But if we're not thinking correctly, then that opposition can kind of throw us into a tailspin and we'll end up making the resolve that we're just going to quit. Hmm? So... What I wanted to do is to continue talking on that subject, but giving you some, a few specific or more common things that usually rise up when we decide we're going to do something great for God or, or set a goal and go for it. Three, uh, three common things we're going to talk about. Yesterday, we talked about opposition from contrary-looking circumstances. And again, please go back and take a listen at that. I forget what I called it, but uh, take, a, take a listen at the one that I did previous to this segment. So opposition from contrary-looking circumstances. Today we're going to talk about opposition from people. And I'm not sure if it'll take me just this time or I have to do with this over two times. And the next opposition we're going to talk about, the final one, at least right now, is opposition from within. So let's jump right into it, okay? We're going to talk today about opposition from people. It's going to come up when you decide that you're going to go for greatness, that you're going to pursue the dream that God's put in your heart. Got a question for you. Did you know that there are some people who they favor you and they're cool with you only up to a certain point? I mean, you are cool in their eyes all the way up until you begin to seem like you are rising a bit higher than they are. Now, you could be rising in an area of, let's say, wisdom, popularity, uh, abilities, effectiveness. Or this person is cool with you until you decide that you're going to pursue a dream that they don't feel that you're going to pursue something that they don't agree with. So we're going to take a look at the first part of that, uh, these type of people. You know, I mentioned about that some will begin to oppose you. You ain't cool with them no more because you look like you're rising up a little bit higher than they are. Now, Luke chapter 2, in Luke chapter 2, we find the story about when Jesus went with his parents along with all their relatives and stuff up to Jerusalem to attend the feast of the Passover. And when it was over... You know, the caravan and everything, they started heading back to the house, but Jesus stayed back. Let's check out how it went down. I'll start reading it, verse 41 of Luke chapter 2. Here we go. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, 
sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished. All who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. It's like after more than a full day of travel back to the house, they finally realized that Jesus was nowhere to be found. So they returned back to the town, back to Jerusalem, three days later. And when they got back, they came up on Jesus at the church house chilling with the religious officials. Says he was both asking them questions and sharing info. Now notice that at this point, the scribes and the Pharisees and all the religious leaders, they favored Jesus. See, the Bible even says that all, it says, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. So see, the religious leaders right then, they really favored him. They kind of looked at him as a, as a boy wonder, you know? And I really believe that they looked out for him and ministered to his needs for food and shelter during them three days that it took for his parents to get back to Jerusalem. Wouldn't you agree with me there? Now, Jesus continued, the Bible says in Luke chapter 2 verse 52, that Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with man. So now when he got up to the age of 30, I want you to notice something. The same religious leaders who had favored him rose up and began to greatly oppose him. They began a series of elaborate attempts to discredit and falsely accuse him. They tried to catch him in a, off guard with some trick questions while he'd be teaching the people and stuff. I mean, they vehemently accused him of teaching false doctrine. Hmm? The same people. You know what? I remember how back when I wrote my first book. See, I'm working on my second book right now. When I wrote my first book, there was a pastor whom I had been pretty good friends with for a long time and had often spoke well of me to others. He became infuriated by my having written and published this book. Now the book was both positive and scripturally based. It was a book, it is a book, designed to encourage people who have been defeated or whatnot to continue to pursue their dream. Now though that was the case, this pastor could not find anything good to say about my book. Once, in a one-on-one -on -one meeting with him, he tore into my book. He began to aggressively discredit my accomplishment and make light of my book's content. He actually commented, he, he said some stuff like, It's too small. Man, it took me hardly no time to read that thing. All it is is a sermon that's written out. You are charging for it much more than what it's worth. See, he make these very comments and a whole lot of others too. And though this type of behavior, from someone that I thought really cared for me and had my back, though this behavior initially shook me, Incidentally, he continues in a negative eye towards me even to this day. Even though this behavior kind of caught me off guard a little bit, I refused to allow it to convince me to quit pursuing the great dreams that God inspires into my heart. You will find also times wherein people will become upset and oppose you even before you've accomplished anything significant. In other words, they will attack you simply for having a dream. Consider the reaction of David's brothers when David inquired about, you know, David went up there to bring the food, the cheese and, and raisins and carrying on to his brothers. They're about, they were gonna, about to be in a war. Consider the reaction of his brothers when David inquired about Goliath because he was considering the possibility of him himself going out to fight him. His brothers got furious with him. Boy, what you out here for? Where you leaving a little few sheep at? You better get on up out of here. This ain't no place for you to be. See, they got furious because David was dreaming about going out there and, and killing Goliath. Now recall also how Joseph's brothers, over in Genesis, around about chapter 35 or so, recall how his brothers, they threw him into a pit, leaving him there to die, all because Joseph shared with them some of his dreams for the future. Are you with me? See, I'm sharing these things with you 
so that you won't get caught off guard by the behavior of some who you'll find to become displeased when you decide, for example, to do something that they haven't done yet or that they're unable to do. They ain't going to be happy. Nope, they won't be happy with your decision to pursue greatness. I mean to rise up and to make something more of yourself. Do not, and I repeat, do not allow their opposition or resistance to convince you of quitting. Why? Do you know why? It's because quitting ain't in your blood. <laughs> I am Larry Hunter, your host for 5 Minute Inspirations. We'll see you next time. Hello and thank you for joining me, 5 Minute Inspirations. This is Larry Hunter, your host. If this is the first time you join me, or if you've missed a pre previous segments, we're in the middle of a series right now that we're calling Quitting Ain't In Your Blood. And I encourage you to take a listen at the previous segments that we've done so that you'll get caught up with what we're talking about today. And I'm going to try to go not go into review because I don't want it just to be very, very long. We started yesterday talking about opposition that comes to you when you pursue something great, when you pursue something that's in your heart. When you step out and you say you're going to be above ordinary, you're going to do something that's beyond just being mediocre and going with the flow that's going downstream. Well, you're going to have some opposition that's going to come up against you. And we've been talking about the fact that opposition generally comes from three different areas. It can come from, from your circumstances looking completely crazy and contrary to what you think they should be looking like. Or opposition can come from people. Or opposition can come from within yourself. No matter where the opposition comes from, all of it is designed with one purpose. The purpose is to get you to quit on what you started out, what you set out to do. You might have set out gung-ho to do it. And see, if you're not aware that opposition will come, it's not if it will, it's when it will. If you're not thinking right, if you're not thinking like that, then when opposition comes, you'll be faced with a, temp a real temptation to just quit. Just quit. It ain't working. It ain't worth it. So see, the, this series is to help you. Um, we're, we're throwing it right out there that you're going to get opposition. Be why? Because I don't want you to be blindsided. By the first bit of resistance that you encounter. Again, much of the resist resistance is going to come from your circumstances or people or from within yourself. We started yesterday talking about how that, you know, resistance or opposition from people can look. And I didn't get finished yesterday, so I just want to chime in a little bit more on that today. And I want to refer actually to the story of Nehemiah. Because the book of Nehemiah, excellent book to read, is a great example of how opposition came against him because God put it in his heart to leave his position as a cupbearer with the king in Babylon and to go back to Jerusalem and help his brother, his brothers and sisters that were living there to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem because at that time they were torn down. I mean, you know, people running up in there and just doing whatever they wanted to. And every time the people of, the, the people of Jerusalem tried to get together to build the walls, then they were met with extreme opposition. They wouldn't let it happen. Anyway, so God put it in Nehemiah's heart. Nehemiah had the favor of the king. The king said, look, go ahead, go ahead on, man. You go ahead on and do your thing. Take this leave of absence and go ahead down there and do what you got to do. So he's heading down there to take care of it and, you know, organize uh, a group of builders and everything from among the children of Israel so they can get this wall built back up. Something interesting, though. Again, we're talking about opposition that can come through people. In Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10, it says, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard of it, they were deeply disturbed that a man had come to seek the well-being of the children of Israel. What in the world they got to do with it? What in the world do they have to do? Oh, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> what I want to show you is this. They didn't even have anything directly to do with Jerusalem or the walls being built. None of that. Why are they tripping? Said they became deeply disturbed. I want you to be aware that when you, again, set out to do something that's above the ordinary, God puts something in your heart, you got some goal, it might be something as simple as losing weight or gaining weight. It might be, it could be anything. You better be ready for opposition. And so here these folk are deeply disturbed. It didn't say they was irritated. They're deeply disturbed that Nehemiah going to come down here and help some folks. So I looked. As you go through the book of Nehemiah and you see the occurrences of Sam Ballard and his crew and what they did 
All that they did was in an attempt to convince Nehemiah to quit. So I want us to look at this and I want you to, it'll help you to be aware of different things that are happening in your life. Whether the same things, just like it was then, so they are now. If you're aware, you can spot it when it happens and you realize, okay, look, this is just trying to make me quit. I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. All right, let's get into it real quick. First thing I see, Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 19. It says, But when Sambala the Horonite, Tobiah the Ammonite official, and the Geshem, and Geshem the Arab heard of it, they laughed at us and despised us and said, What is this thing that you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? So one of the tactics of the enemy, I'm going to call it your haters, okay? One of the tactics of your haters, those who want you to quit, those who don't want to see you do better, those who don't want to see you make a difference, one of the tactics is to begin to ridicule you about the same thing that God has put a passion in your heart about. They're ridiculing and making light of the passion that Nehemiah has. Man, what y'all doing, man? <laughs> That's the craziest thing I ever heard. <laughs> y'all think y'all going to make a difference out here? Y'all going to build a wall? What in the world? See, they're tripping. But that's a tactic. That's a tactic of your haters. That's a tactic to get you to decide to quit. To ridicule you and to make light of something that you are passionate about. Don't you buy it for a minute, okay? A second thing, a tactic is to accuse you of wrong motives. What did they say? I know what y'all doing. Y'all trying to do something. Y'all going to rebel against the king. That's what y'all about. How does that interpret today? Child, you don't really want to help them people over there. You just want to be seen. You just want your name in the newspaper. All right, see, people will do that. People, opposition will come in the form of people accusing you of wrong motives. That's what I'm trying to say. Number three, your haters will try to attack your confidence by speaking of your inability to do what you've dreamed of doing, and what you've actually already begun. Man, you ain't qualified to do that. You ain't even got the schooling. You ain't got the education to be doing that. What, what makes you think you can do that? You don't even have what it takes at all. Anybody ever heard something like that before? Huh? That's another tactic of the enemy to get you to quit. And Nehemiah ran into this thing. Nehemiah chapter 4 verses 1 through 3. It said, it said, but it so happened when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish? Stones that are burned? See, they tripping. They tripping. They trying to make light. They're trying to attack the confidence of Nehemiah and his crew, trying to convince them that, man, you ain't got what it takes. You're not qualified to be even pursuing something like this. Hey, <laughs> the word of God tells me that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. Ain't that what it tells you too? That's first John four, four and Philippians four, 13. Hmm. So see a fourth tactic. We can learn from this pattern that we see in the Word of God because, and, and then we'll be on the lookout so that when these things come up as we're pursuing a goal, something we're passionate about, we don't let it just, you know, cause us to, oh man, maybe I better just go ahead and quit. Uh-uh. So number four, your haters are going to try to scare you and get you confused about what you're doing. Oh, you know, you sure you want to do this? Because uh, I, I know Jim Bob tried this about... I don't know him, but I read about him 20 years ago. He tried something like this, and boy, they, they just much pretty much stoned him. Huh? See, your haters want to get you scared and then get you confused. Maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I heard God wrong. Let me see here. See, don't buy that. Listen to Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ash... Boy, this, this group is growing, ain't it? This group of opposition is growing. First it was Sanballat and Tobiah. Now you got the Arabs and you got the Ammonites and you got the Ashdodites. Good googly -goo. It says in verse 7 again, Nehemiah 4-7. Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, and the, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites uh, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and that the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. Do you see a consistency here? People are getting 
red hot angry when it ain't got nothing to do with them. So they became very angry. Verse 8 says, And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. So they were getting together for the purpose of creating confusion within the camp. For the purpose of terrorizing them, huh? That's another tactic of the enemy. That's another tactic of your haters. But I want you to see it for what it is. When you decide to go for it, whatever it is that God's put in your heart, whatever's burning on the inside of you, when you decide to go for it, you're going to have opposition. We're getting a look at how this opposition can come at us so that we'll be better equipped and we will not be convinced because of the opposition that it ain't worth it. I may as well go ahead and quit. So number five, real quick. That's the last one. Your haters will try to distract you away from the actual involvement in your work, you know, get you off of your game. And then intimidate you into quitting. Now let me say this though. It's important that you trust God to help you to be able to discern when somebody comes at you with an offer or they want to meet with you or whatever. Trust God to help you to discern when somebody has evil intentions and when they're trying to actually lead you away from what you're supposed to be about. I don't have time to read it here, but I want you to read Nehemiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8. It's real good because finally, you know, Sam Ballot sent some letters. You know, the whole crew, they sent some letters to Nehemiah and said, look, I, I just figured I'd let you know something, you know. Uh, it's reported among the nations that, and Geshem says that, that you and the Jews plan to rebel. Therefore, according to these rumors, you are rebuilding the wall that, that, that you may be their king. And that you've also appointed prophets to proclaim concerning you at Jerusalem. Man, this is getting all around. It's reported. So we better get together. You better come on down so we can meet and talk this thing out. <laughs> you know what Nehemiah answered to him? Nehemiah 6, 8 says, then I sent to him, see, because Sanballat sent this letter about five, well, four times, and then the fifth time, Nehemiah answered him. Then I sent to him, saying, no such things as you say are being done, but you invent them in your own heart. <laughs> see, he was able to discern that this dude tripping. He just trying to get me away from the work, get me off my guard, just get me on out in Ono land or wherever. Uh-uh, I ain't buying that. So I'm encouraging you, trust God to give you discernment. Somebody say, look, so-and-so is going on. You need to think about this. We need to come and talk about this. Hey, that ain't always a thing to do at all. See, they were thinking, we got to get them to stop. We got to get them to quit. And if we get them to pause from the work, then we can convince them to quit altogether. Okay, we're closing up. But I'm sharing these things with you in an effort to fortify you so that when opposition comes at you in these various forms, you won't buckle under and tuck your tail between your legs and quit. Why don't you just want to throw in the towel and give up? I mean, I know it gets hard. But you can make it if you'll keep at it. Now, how can I say that? Because quitting ain't in your blood. Are you with me? Now, thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is Larry Hunter, your host for 5-Minute Inspirations, wishing you a beautiful day. If you cannot be persuaded to quit, if nobody can convince you that it would be better to quit, then you're going to be successful in achieving that goal that you have, that dream that I believe that God has inspired into your heart. You're going to have success at it. And when you succeed, it's going to bring glory to God. And of course, you're going to be fulfilled. And of course, other people's lives are going to be positively impacted as well as your own. So that's why... That's like the heart behind this series that I'm calling Quitting in Your Blood. We began this a uh, number of days ago, and if you've missed any of the segments, I encourage you, of course, to go back and take a listen at them. But we're talking about the fact that whenever you make the decision that you're going to pursue something that's beyond normal, beyond mediocre, that's a little bit above what is going on all around you, then after a while, you're going to be met with opposition. Hey, that's just part of the package, okay? But... We're talking through the series because I want to increase your awareness. Uh, the Bible says that we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. I want you to see the forms that this opposition can take so that when it comes up, you'll recognize it and see it for what it is and you won't let it stop you. Or in other words, you will not allow it at that point to convince you to quit, to throw in the towel. Huh? So we talked about how opposition generally comes from three different areas. And I'm just going to mention them. I'm trying not to do no review. I'm trying to get into the new stuff, okay? Opposition comes from three areas. The first one we talked about, opposition from contrary-looking circumstances. 
in the following segment, we talked about opposition that comes from people. And we actually took two, two particular segments to talk about that. Today, I want to talk about opposition that comes from within. Hmm? Opposition from within. You know, I uh, here recently, I began offering learning languages online. And I am actually, I'm teaching Spanish. If you want to learn Spanish, if you want to learn Portuguese, if you want to learn English, I'm offering that online. And I have a student that is from China, lives in China, is Chinese. And the student wrote me a note after I had invited this student, as well as the other students, to go ahead and begin practicing talking with me, with the little English that they know, so that I can help them with pronunciation, so I can help them with um, uh, maybe the way to say something, help them to understand better, you know, words when they're spoken to them. And this particular student answered and said, oh, but I only speak just a few words. Oh, I could never do that. Okay, so now what I want you to see is that what's happening is that this student set out to learn English and is in the process of learning English, but has now run up against opposition. And that opposition is coming from within. The student does not have the confidence that he or she is able to proceed further, go up to a higher level. So that opposition is like a roadblock right in the way. It ain't coming from nobody else. It's coming from right within the individual. Incidentally, the reason why I'm saying that student is because the student... How many of y'all know I don't understand Chinese? I don't understand it. I don't understand it spoken to me. I don't understand it written down. You know, they're characters. They're not regular letters. They're characters. This student, when I see the name come across my computer screen, it's in all them characters. So I don't even know how to begin to pronounce the student's name. And I can't decipher whether the student, based upon the name that comes out written like that, I don't know if it's a girl or a guy. I just don't know. That's why I'm calling it that student, you know, and I don't mean any offense by that at all. It's just, that's just the way it is. <laughs> so, but the opposition that the student is running up against is just that. It's coming from within. It's a lack of self-confidence. And so that's one of the ploys. See, the Bible says that we are not ignorant of the devil's devices. That's one of the things that he'll try to do. He'll try to work on you from contrary to the circumstances. He'll also try to work on you from, from people and, and them tripping. But at the same time, another way that opposition will show its face is from within you. And generally it's because of a lack of confidence. So what I want to do, I want to take a look at three different, I want to point out three different little aspects with regard to uh, opposition from within. Again, so that you'll be able to recognize it for what it is and so that you will not allow it to trip you up and to cause you to throw in the towel. You remember Jesus' situation where, where Jesus... He had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Then he was led by the Spirit up into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Now, what I want you to see is that the devil came to him. This is in Matthew chapter 4. The devil came to him and began to tempt him. Try to tempt him anyway. But each time what the devil said, like for example in, in Matthew chapter 4 verse 3. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. Okay, in verse 6, the second temptation that's recorded here, it says, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He'll give His angels charge over you. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Went a little bit further, and the devil led Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple and said, Look, all these things I'll give you if you'll fall down and worship me. So see, what is he doing? The devil is trying to, he's, he's throwing self-doubt at Jesus. He's throwing self-doubt. I thank God that Jesus didn't bite the bullet. I mean, oh, Jesus didn't take the bait, so to speak. So he's trying to say, look, if you really are who the Word of God says you are, and I'm telling you it this way because that's the same way that the devil will attack your mind, or rather, the same way that the devil will cause opposition to come at you from within is to mess with your 
actually believing what the Word of God says about you? I mean, could you really be what? Could you really be a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation? Could you really be? Could you really be more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus? See, He'll try to get introduce self doubt into you by causing you to doubt what God has already said and established about you. So that's opposition from within. And if you're not aware of what's going on, it can stop you in your tracks and you'll be just like the the person that's the, the Chinese person that I'm teaching English to, you won't be readily willing to go any further. Okay? Second situation, second situation I want to bring out to you. In John chapter eight, the religious leaders, they were on Jesus' case. You know, Jesus had told them basically you of your father the devil, and the works of your father you will do, right? And so they were getting hot, of course. And they saw that everything that they had done up to that point was not causing Jesus to quit. Jesus was full steam ahead, purposed to do the complete will of God with his life, right? So, I'm going to pick it up. Let me see. Let me read it. Verse, um, verse 43. John eight forty-three. Jesus is talking. He said, why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own, from, from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Verse 47. He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Dang, Jesus making it plain, ain't he? <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. Verse 48. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Okay, so they just said, Look here, ain't man, that's what we say about you. You old Samaritan. And you got a demon. So what are they actually saying in this? See, the Jews, man, they couldn't stand the Samaritans. They treated the Samaritans like the Samaritans had the plague. But now, I believe, I want to show you something I don't think you may have seen. You know, I believe what they're actually doing, of course they're putting them down. They're saying, look, Jesus, didn't we say right that you just like the scum of the earth? That's all. Yeah, they're trying to put them down. But I think also what they're doing, they are basically saying, look, you were born out of wedlock. Joseph ain't your real daddy. Mary was, your mama was pregnant before your mama and daddy got married. So they really point, I really believe they're pointing at that. They're trying to put self down in Jesus. They're trying to run him down by basically saying, look, you're an Ill illegitimate child. Man, what good can you do? Think about it. Did it happen like that? Huh? Is Joseph your daddy? Natural daddy? Okay then. So see, that's what they were trying. They were attacking him. They were shooting, they were shooting pretty low, right? But, I thank God that Jesus didn't buckle under that. And I want you to know the same thing. That the devil will try to get you to looking back at your past. How many of us have had pasts that we ain't proud of? Stuff that went down in our family line. Maybe stuff that happened to us or stuff that we did. How many of us are not proud of some of the stuff in our past? Well, the devil will try to put that, those crazy things of your past into your face and chip away at your confidence because he wants to bring your confidence down. He wants to introduce self-doubt so that you will what? That's right. So that you'll quit. Huh? But we ain't going to let that happen, right? Now, the third thing I wanted to bring to you real quick, just to kind of bring it out, how self or how opposition comes at us from within. You remember Moses. I've talked about him before. Moses, God called him to be a deliverer. Of his people. But Moses went about it kind of wrong. Got a little overzealous. Wasn't acting according to wisdom. And it kind of messed him up a little bit, right? Well, anyway, God don't throw you away. I love that. I mean, I could talk, right? God does not throw you away. But I just soon just talk the way that I feel like it's going to come on out. God doesn't throw any of us away. You might have made the worst mistake than you thought you wouldn't even forgive yourself for. 
But if you'll get yourself back right with God and if you'll commit yourself to him, then he'll take the broken pieces that you you broke yourself up by what you did and he'll make something beautiful out of you and something useful that'll be a blessing to all of mankind. Okay? I don't know who that's for. I don't know where that came from, but I know where it came from. But just take that and let's keep moving, all right? So anyway, God comes to Moses and God basically says, okay, I've heard the cry of my people. They're hurting. They're getting dogged out. And I'm raising you up. I've called you to go in there and bring deliverance to my people. Well, Moses' response was, he, he, he got hung up. He said in, verse, in Exodus chapter 3, verse 11, it says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? See, so what's happening here? The same thing that happens when opposition from within you hits you. Moses is looking at the call that God has on his life and has become so overwhelmed because he's looking at that call in the light of his own assessment of his abilities. Don't do that. God never intended for you to fulfill that dream that he's put in your heart or to achieve that goal that he's lit up on the inside of you. He never intended for you to do it without him. So Moses was getting into trouble because God, man, God be talking some big stuff. Lord Jesus, here Moses minding his own business, tending the little stuff on chief on the backside of the desert. And, and then God comes up to him in the burning bush and rolls out his praying. Can you say with me that Moses at that moment was not thinking quite as big as God? That's exactly correct, right? God doesn't think small. He thinks big. But at the same time, Moses tried to handle what God had for him, what God wanted to do in his life in the light of Moses' own personal assessment of himself. When you try to make an assessment of yourself to God, let me save you some time. You're always going to fall short. You're, it's always going to be inaccurate. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. God made you. He's the God of all flesh. He knows all about you. So when we go and try to make an assessment you know, we can get overwhelmed by the greatness of what God wants to do through us if we're looking at it in our own strength, in our own abilities. So Moses went on to say, I mean, God talked a little bit further. And then Moses said, look, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? See, Moses still tripping. Why? Because that opposition of self-doubt is coming from within Moses. He's trying to assess, man, I can't, I can't talk right and... I ain't never really been nowhere and, and don't nobody know me. Who, who, who am I that God's going to send me to talk to President Trump? Oh, oh excuse me. I mean, uh, talk to the Pharaoh. Do you get what I'm saying? Okay. Went on down further and finally Moses said, look, I believe you need to find somebody else. And God got upset with him. <laughs> so again, let me back up. The chief objective of your enemy who's the devil, is to convince you to quit after you've set out to pursue the dream, the goal that God has birthed into your heart, and you're going for it, and you're going to make a difference with your life. The chief objective of the enemy is to convince you that you better just go ahead and quit. And again, that opposition that'll come, it's going to come, will come from either your contrary looking circumstances, it'll come from people, or it will come from within you. Don't buckle. That ain't in your blood, right? Quitting ain't in your blood. I know I went just a little bit longer today, and I'm going to close out right here, but I just wanted to really get that drive that point into you. I mean, many of you who are listening to me, you are already well on the way with regard to something that God has put within your heart. Man, you're going for it. You've been going for it for a while. But truth be told, it's been tough. You done had some tough days. That's part of the package. But if you have a few tough days in a row and you are unaware of what's going on, you are unaware of the fact that the opposition is coming to make you quit, that the opposition is coming from these three different areas, then you'll throw in the towel and then people, hey, so how's it coming with that project you was working on? Man, you don't even want to see them. Much less say anything to them about the pro what project. You don't want to say anything. Why? Because you gave up. Because you threw in the towel. Because you quit. But let me just tell you as I close out right here. You as a child of God and with the dream that God has birthed into your heart, quitting ain't no option for you. 
You're going to win if you just don't quit. Let me see this uh, scripture coming to my mind. Uh, uh, Cast not away there for your confidence. Hebrews 10.35 For it has great recompense. Cast not away there for your confidence for it has great recompense of reward. In other words, keep on keeping on. Allow God to work his work through you. Okay? This is Larry Hunter, 5-Minute Inspirations. Thank you for hanging with me through the series and I pray that you're encouraged. If something's on your heart as a result of what I shared, then please leave, us, leave me a call in so that we can all benefit from what God spoke to you. And also, if you're interested in those language lessons, if you want to learn Spanish, if you want to learn Portuguese, if you want to learn English, hit me up, call in, write my email address, or leave a comment, and I'll get back with you. Okay? All right. You be blessed, and have a wonderful weekend. This is Larry Hunter, 5-Minute Inspirations. Peace.